Hi, welcome to episode 33 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Alma. And in the spirit of, I guess, the holidays and the new year kind of coming in, we'll be talking about setting goals for the new year. So I guess if you do like New Year's resolution type things, then maybe you'd like to listen to what ours are and how we yeah. kind of think about that. And then we'll also talk about some lessons and things that we learned this past year. But we will start out with our shout-out segment first, and we'll get to all that stuff in the What's Being Slept On segment. Yeah, so our first shout-out is to Anna Phillips, who just finished her 3,000 hours to be a licensed professional counselor. So to be an LPC or a licensed professional counselor, you need not only like a master's degree in it, then you also need to take an exam, Mm -hmm. and then you need to complete 3,000 supervised like hours. Mm -hmm. So this usually takes a couple of years for people. So she did this while working full-time over the course of several years since she graduated and passed her licensing exam and has been working towards the school supervised practice and she just submitted it this week and so it's the last uh, hurdle to jump over to be a licensed professional counselor. So shout out to her. I'm really proud. Uh, She's a, a Latina woman and so just as many you know of them that we can get in the community because um, since she's bilingual she focuses on play therapy with children and there aren't very many play therapists one and two play therapists who focus on the Latino community so mm-hmm. shout out to her yeah, shout out to and then our second and final shout out is I wanted to shout out or we wanted to shout out the jury who found James A. Fields guilty of first-degree murder. I don't know if you remember, but he was the guy that uh, ran people over um, with his car in Charlottesville. He was a avowed neo-Nazi who rammed his car into a group of counter-protesters at a white supremacist rally, and he was found guilty by a jury. And then they also did a recommended sentencing so the jury developed, delivered its sentence decisions after about four hours of deliberation. They suggested that he get life for the first degree mur- murder of Heather and then 70 years for each of the five counts of aggravated and malicious wounding from the additional people that were wounded during the um, attack with his car and then 20 years for each of the three counts of malicious wounding and then nine years for leaving the scene of a fatal car crash for a total of life plus 419 years. So Judge Richard Moore will decide whether to sign off on the recommended sentence at hearing on March 29th. So the jury did its part, like the jury not only found him guilty, but also suggested that basically he spend the rest of his life in jail and 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 now you know hoping that the judge will honor the suggestion from the jury and i think you know i am not always for putting people away for the rest of their lives for you know even for murder crimes um and i know there's a lot of disagreement but especially if i feel like sometimes people are remorseful and they you know do learn lessons and after 20 or something years in prison i feel like you can change but this guy i really don't think he can they even recorded like a conversation with his mom where his mom was like but you 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 know you killed her and he said i don't care Mm. and so i I don't think he's remorseful at all and so Mm. i think that this is an appropriate sentence for him and i don't think that he can be reformed back into society and not commit another 
like murder or crime. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the jury, shout out to them for both the sentencing and the um, finding him guilty. And here's to hoping that the judge will yeah. honor that. Yeah, shout out to the system working as it should. Yes. Um, okay, so now we will transition into our in the know segment. So the question, has Me Too gone too far? is up for debate as radio stations across the country and their listeners continue to debate what should be done about the 1944 Christmas song, Baby It's Cold Outside. So if you haven't heard, um, the song made headlines this holiday season and according to Zoma, apparently it has made, it's been making, mm-hmm. making headlines the last couple of years. When Cleveland, well this year, when Cleveland radio station WDOK announced it would no longer be playing the song after some listeners complained, its lyrics clashed with the goals of the hashtag MeToo movement. Um, Now radio stations all around the country are beginning to ban the song as well and are receiving mixed reactions from listeners. A station in San Francisco, um, 96.5, banned the song on um, last Monday, citing the Cleveland station's decision as well as feedback from its own listeners. However, the decision was met with uproar because, you know, people are just so wedded to the song. Um, And now the station is allowing listeners to vote on the fate of the song via poll on its website through December 10th, so a few days ago. Glenn Anderson, one of the station's hosts in a post on the WDOK website stated, the world we live in is extra sensitive now and people get easily offended. But in a world where hashtag me too has finally given women the voice they deserve, the song has no place. Those against the song say it promotes date rape, describing a man pressuring a woman to stay despite her adamantly telling him no, no, no. Other lyrics like, Say, what's in this drink have also raised eyebrows. Supporters of Baby It's Cold Outside argue that context is important. When the song was written over 70 years ago, unmarried women would be ostracized for spending the night alone with a man, which made it important to appear as though it was solely the man's idea. Hence the lyrics like, my mother will start to worry and the neighbors might think. So, you know, initially when I heard this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is over the top. Like, there are so many more important issues to be, you know, backing, like, for the Me Too movement rather than focusing on, you know, this song. Like, the lyrics are, I mean, the lyrics are are bad, right? But Mm -hmm. ultimately, the song is, like, very low on the totem pole of things that um, we need to focus our energy like i feel like the me too movement right now should be putting all its energy into getting centoya brown free yes like i feel like if you like all the energy that you're spending calling in and all the time that you're spending calling into these radio stations and expressing your outrage i feel like could be better used someplace else but then i also thought about i pictured like a mom taking her daughter to school right or her kids to school and them in the back seat singing this song and yeah. I was like oh yeah that would probably grind my gears a little bit you know yeah. because I I once the like once I was hearing the controversy I went and I looked up the lyrics and I'm like oh yeah there's some pretty like sketchy stuff going on in this song and I get it you know like they're saying context is important yada 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 but it's playing today yeah regardless yeah so yeah I was like oh, I don't know I don't know what do you think uh, yeah, so I mean, this reminded me of, and it's, um, I was reading a Vogue 
I was that's a lie. I wasn't reading a Vogue. I was on Instagram reading comments about a Vogue, mm-hmm. about a Vogue cover. It was Emma Radawashrada. She has this like really complicated last name. Mm-hmm. But uh so she's like a famous model and actress mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she hates that for feminism. She's like what is feminism to her? And she's mm-hmm. like feminism is being able to wear a crop top without what? feeling that other women will attack her because she's choosing to be sexy in this way. So that's a paraphrase. Um, and so I was reading the comments and so many women were like, yes, this, you know, holy hands. What? Uh-huh. They were like, exactly. <laughs> women should be uplifting each other, not tearing each other down. This is what feminism is. And like the, in the same mind of like, yo, there's like this girl that's going to spend the rest of her, you know, 51 years in yeah, prison yeah. for like what I would call self-defense. Yeah. And that's like, but your feminism is being able to wear a crop top. Are people up in arms about crop tops these days? I don't know, but it was just like when they asked her, like, basically, what is feminism to you? Because it was just like, Mm. and the cover, it was like, you know, they were highlighting her as a feminist. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know she was like, that was one of her, Mm -hmm. one of the things that she found important. And that's like what she she was like the central issue for feminism for me is you know not being criticized for where for what i wear and for being sexy and i was like that is your central i thought the whole issue was not wanting to be sexualized hypersexualized by men she was just kind of saying like people accuse me of playing into the patriarchy for uh, being sexy but uh, i'm not because i'm choosing to be sexy which is it's it's you know it's a valid argument whatever but for her to say like that's the main focus yeah. of her type of feminism yeah. is yeah. kind of like with this song yeah. i'm like yes there are different aspects of feminism that are important mm-hmm. like making sure that we're aware that this woman you know seems to be pressured into non-consensual interactions with this man but I also feel like all this energy yeah. that's being pushed towards these agendas yeah. kind of reflect once again how people of color's agenda are not being yeah. like recognized or, yeah. or valid. And so, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I think the song is wrong. Yeah, and, I mean, and I wouldn't yeah. want my kids to be Same. singing it. Yeah. But I'm also, it, it doesn't like add... It adds a little frustration to know that at the same time there should be this bigger conversation um, yeah. on this um, on other issues like freeing, yeah. you know, this group, this victim yeah. who is you know in who's facing like the rest of her life in prison while we have men who have been accused of rape only doing like six months. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I guess one thing that makes... Because I'm like, this is not the worst song on the air or whatever you call it um, on the radio. But I guess that those other songs, like, you can kind of avoid them, you know, because they're, like, on particular stations. You probably can't avoid this song because it's probably playing on even conservative stations, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, I... Yeah, that's my... Yes, yes. Okay, Um, so second on the on the list um apparently this incident happened last year but right now there's a suit going on so that's Mm -hmm. why people are focusing on it or that's why it's coming up um but last year nypd forced a woman um to give birth 
while her arms and legs were shackled to the oh, hospital bed. Yeah. Um, so when a woman who was 40 weeks pregnant went into labor last February inside a police holding cell in the Bronx, officers took her to a hospital and once inside, they handcuffed her wrist to the bed and shackled her ankles. Doctors at, I don't know how to pronounce this, Montefiore Medical Center warned that the restraints were illegal in New York and posed serious risks for a woman in labor. But the officer said the department's patrol guide required them to restrain her, superseding state law, according to a lawsuit filed on Thursday. So the woman, then 27, struggled for nearly an hour in excruciating labor on February 8th before the officers yielded and removed some of the constraints. So they only removed um, the constraint on one of her arms, according to um, the complaint filed in federal district court in Manhattan. She delivered the baby with her right hand still cuffed to the hospital bed. There's now a lawsuit underway. The lawsuit filed Thursday afternoon seeks damages for a violation of the woman's civil rights and asks that the police department change its policies to ensure that its officers never shackle a pregnant woman in custody again. So, I mean, this, like, when I heard this, I was like, where is, where is the humanity? Yeah. Like, how do you, what, what do you think she's going to do? She's if, not going to run away when she's you, in the middle of labor. <laughs> what? Where's she? How? She can't. Her baby. She With needs the hospital. With superhuman powers. Like, I mean, and she needs the hospital, like, to deliver. Yeah. yeah. No. That's the, I feel like the, you know, there was, I, I, what was I watching recently? So recently I was watching the um, Sandra Bland, like, mm. documentary, right? And the... I guess he was the police chief at the time, or maybe he still is the police chief, but was talking about how he sees the job of police officers, like part of their responsibility is to like care for and protect and like use it all these really like, I mean, adjectives that I felt like I did not associate with police, right? Yeah. And so he felt like, oh, you know, we let her down because we're supposed to protect, you know, the people that are jails here and all of that stuff and it's like the this that what happened to this woman is kind of how i see police it's like mm -hmm. they don't see they see like when you've committed a crime they see you as a criminal they don't really see you as deserving of any kind of empathy or anything like that um like they see you as like i feel like lower than human because you made a mistake or committed yeah. a crime or whatever and it's like she doesn't like, they didn't see her as someone that deserved even the slightest bit of comfort, you know? And to be, like... Like, I feel like they should pay. They should be sued, and they should have to pay, because that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, especially if people are telling them, like, this is illegal. Yeah. And they're not just being, like, that to say, like, oh, I'm a lawyer, like, I know more than you. I think mm -hmm. they were just kind of saying, like, this is illegal for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like, she... This is not help... And the fact that they were stressing, like, this could be... Um, really harmful and I know like just from where I've been reading in preparing for like my labor it's like if you you know if you if you move positions it helps you alleviate the pain like moving around and like um, I, I can't imagine not being able to use my arms like to be able to cope with pain like some women had told me like they use their arms to like hold someone's hand or to hold onto the bed or to reposition themselves or to like 
you know, just do massages on your, like, just different ways for you. And then even in some nurses, like, tell you, like, stand up or move to the side or lay on your side or something. And so for, like, she wouldn't be able to do any of that. And it just doesn't, it's one of those things where there's no point for it, but just to remind and reinforce you that you are less valuable than, uh, I guess, yeah, than any person, than, yeah. than them, or than you. You don't merit, and it's yeah. And they just like ruined her labor experience. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. something that she will have for the rest of her life. Like yeah, that's actually what a when I was listening to this, um, they had a person that called in like a doula, and mm-hmm. she was saying like, yeah, they have um, scarred her. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she's going to be traumatized for life about this. Like when she thinks back to you know the experience of having her baby you know something that yeah it's gonna it's it would be painful regardless but something that should have been like the most beautiful day of her life it's yeah. like now it's tainted by like this experience you yeah know? and if the mom is in distress the baby's in distress yeah. so like by just by virtue of her saying that she was so uncomfortable that they finally like released one of her hands indicates that she must have been feeling really bad and if mom's feeling really bad then the baby's not feeling that great because mm-hmm. like they're in that moment still connected and so i don't know it, it's sad on so many levels but also not surprising that there would be a police who yeah. would not yeah. only do this but then not go back and say our bad yeah and double down like yeah yeah no you don't deserve like any of the like you don't deserve to experience this as a mother who had not committed a crime would yeah and it's like who who are you to make that that i mean it's not like if you had released her her hand she would have just been in pure like ecstasy no like this is this is like no what not even the slightest bit of comfort um okay and so our last thing, singer and rapper Ty Dolla Sign was indicted on felony drug charges and is facing 10 to 15 years in jail. So according to court documents, suspiciously acquired by TMZ. <laughs> Always TMZ, man. They, how do they, who, how, they just are ready to shell out any amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope that they're raking in the dough. They must be. But yeah, so according to these documents, we don't know how they got them. The Ty Dolla Sign has been charged with three counts. Felony possession of cocaine, Ooh. felony possession of THC, mm. and misdemeanor possession of less than one ounce of weed. Uh, that's not even that bad. Yeah. His arrest happened in Fulton County, which that's the problem. Fulton County, Georgia, where drug laws are more strict than in his hometown, uh, California. Oh, oh, so yeah, the weed. The South South, yeah. If convicted, he can get 15 years in prison. Um, TNZ reports that Ty Dolla Sign was busted by cops in Atlanta who reportedly discovered drugs in his bag. So I, I mean, I guess I've been a little bit conflicted about this. Just thinking about how Meek Mill was treated in the court mm-hmm. system and like, you know, how rappers, I guess, are portrayed in general. You know, the fact that they like this is a black man and everything and the way that people have talked, have the way that the media has kind of been talking about him is like, oh, you know, he like oh he this is his fault he deserves this or whatever but one thing that i was talking about with a friend recently and i was thinking like you know thinking about mac miller and the fact that you know mac miller seemed like a really awesome person and all these things you know god rest his soul but he died of an overdose yeah and so it's like why is it that on the one hand one rapper is seen as someone who was sick and deserving of empathy 
And then on the other end, it's like this other person, no, put this person in jail for 10 to 15 years. And it's not like he had enough. I mean, we know because it's like the reason that he's the reason that it's like a felony possession is because he had enough technically for distribution, right? Mm -hmm. For redistribution. Mm -hmm. But you know that he is doing these drugs like he's not a he's a he's a rapper. He's yeah. worth, I don't even know, I don't listen to his music, I don't really know how popular he is, apparently he's really popular. Yeah. He's worth he's millions in. of dollars, he's not out here selling drugs. Yeah, no. So, it. I mean, it's like, you know, we apply these very strict, like, you know, we make it seem like the law is super black and white for certain people, and it's kind of got some gray area for others. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, so I, I didn't know. Yeah, no, that. I think this and the fact that they just, you know, Trump's old lawyer, Cohen, Mm-hmm. Attorney, um, a former attorney, was found guilty for lying to the FBI, mm-hmm. for like doing all these other felonies, and he only got three years, yeah. and he might not even have to serve all of yeah. them. And so, and then we talk about Brock Turner, who mm-hmm. raped a woman, mm-hmm. and he got six months, and even then appealed it. I just don't understand sometimes how we this is worse than that. Like, how is lying to the FBI? Yeah get you less way less time than having drugs yeah it just reflects that like our criminal justice system just doesn't make sense yeah yeah it just so many it doesn't make sense and yeah. i think you're right like some people who have a history or are known to have like i mean even bruno mars has been caught with cocaine yeah. and like lots of Lindsay lohan and paris hilton oh, yeah. and just like remembering like what she spent like one day in jail just yeah. it's just kind of like if we're going to have if we have these terrible laws anyway yeah. but then some artists or some famous people don't seem to suffer the same as others and then unfortunately i think the biggest thing is you're right like georgia versus california yeah and so it's like even within the same country your yeah, life could that's drastically the part that change. irritates me the most I it think. could drastically change yeah. Yeah. depending on where it is yeah. that you got arrested yeah. that's like because it's like you know we it's like judges have way too much discretion it's like i like as a judge you can decide the fate of somebody of the rest of somebody's life mm-hmm. but had they just been had they just committed the crime in a different state they, they would be in a completely different set of circumstances and I, that's like ridiculous it's like no we need some standards we need to have standards that are universal and that it's not like oh you like oh you if you're if you look like this or you're um this gender you have this skin color you have this sexual orientation or you have this immigration status you have this and this like then you your experience could be so different Mm -hmm. in different states yeah and like no that yeah no i think that that also perpetuates like segregation right because I say all the time, this is as far south as I'm willing to go. <laughs> and it's like funny, but it's so true. Like I am not, you could not, no, I don't care if the last job of it, I mean, this is, this sounds very privileged too. So I recognize that for those who are listening, who are like, oh, this, this bitch is hella privileged. Yeah. <laughs> I it would not live in Mississippi, oh, even yeah. if that was the only job in my field available. No, I'm not going. I wouldn't, Alabama. Yeah. No, I'm not going. Arkansas. Arkansas no. Like most of the flyover states in the midwest no florida heck no like it's just it, i mean no no and then i couldn't imagine like if i was a black man no you couldn't you would hardly find me no no no, no. yeah so hopefully things don't turn out too terrible for him but yeah. you just never know like with meek mill 
You just never know when judges decide. Yeah. And the end, you can't even rely on a judge of color. Yeah, no. Because with That was his, a black woman. Yeah, because with like, his, it was a black woman. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know who Ty Dolla Sign knows. I don't know what his connections are, but hopefully he has somebody like Jay-Z in his corner who can, like, <laughs> do him a favor. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now moving on to our What's Being Slept On segment. So I strongly suggest that you wake the Okay, so for our What's Being Slept On segment, um, essentially, as I said in the beginning of the episode, we're going to be talking about setting goals for the new year, how we go about doing that. If you consider yourself to be a person that's very into New Year's resolutions, you know, like, how do you go about setting those goals? And what about the previous year informs how you set those goals? And I think that that's Mm -hmm. something that I don't do very often. Like, I'll be like, oh, okay, Based on how I feel today, yeah. you know, on, based on how I feel on December 31st, this is going to be the goal that I set yeah. for the new year. But I don't really take time to reflect, like, this has been my 2018 experience. These are the accomplishments I, you know, these are the things I accomplished. These are the things that I didn't accomplish. Or these are the areas that I want to work on, you know, like within myself, um, et cetera, et cetera. Or the, the way that I want to strengthen certain relationships, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's something that we thought might be, you know, cool to, to discuss in this episode. So starting with what we learned in 2018. Yes, because as Ebony was saying, we're going to talk about, you know, best, just about tips and that we are using for ourselves, but also wanted to share Mm -hmm. about how to make these resolutions for 2019 better. And, um, but one of the things that we found is that there's all these suggestions on how to, uh, you know, that the first step is first, like, what did you learn in 2018 so that you can decide what you want to change in 2019. Um, and so, and I guess in, in terms for me, what I learned in 2018 was, so for me, 2018 started off pretty rough and, Uh, But it was also the year that I ended up, you know, finding out I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of, I think this year what I learned is, I think with, for those of you who aren't in grad school or don't talk to people who are in grad school, one of the things that grad school kind of like tries to instill on you is this fake sense of control like you can timeline everything. You can timeline your coursework, you can timeline your dissertation, you can timeline these deadlines, Mm -hmm. like everything can fit in a timeline. And as long as you have this chart filled with things, like by this time you should be doing this, by this time you should be doing this, and especially with like your future. It's like, you know, this is when you apply, this is when you'll hear back, this is when you do a job interview, then you get the job. This is when you do uh, your three-year review. This is when you do your five-year review. Mm -hmm. This is when you go up for tenure. And so it's just like never-ending false sense of you have more control. But then I think that you realize that you actually don't. And um, for me, it started creeping up with, oh, well, I really don't know the job openings available until that fall. So there's no way to prepare for 
where I might end up. Mm -hmm. And so when that started happening last in 27, fall 2017, I started getting this sense of like, maybe there is a lot less control in this profession than they're, they're preparing us for. And then when I found I was pregnant, which wasn't expected, it definitely taught me a lot about not being in control and starting with the fact that the first thing they do once you find out you're pregnant is do an ultrasound to see like um, one is there a heartbeat two is it in the place that it should be because if it's in a wrong place you may have to terminate the pregnancy so it's like before you even can accept like how you feel about the pregnancy you have to kind of make a decision of well at least here in the state that we live in do you want to listen to the heartbeat and if you do then you're making kind of like a choice about caring for the the child that or the soon-to-be child um, and so then after that you do all this blood panel because now you have to figure out okay is your blood compatible with the blood of the baby because or could it be incompatible do you have something in your blood that might attack this baby yeah and so just and then after that you do all these like okay well are you anemic are you do you currently have high blood pressure do you currently have anything that might make this pregnancy high risk and so it's just a lot of things that i learned like i couldn't control and then just you know the um, doctor would always tell me there's a 50 percent chance of miscarriage up until the first trimester which is 12 weeks so for 12 weeks you literally just wait to go to the doctor and see if the baby's alive mm. and it's just kind of an experience that i've never had where i felt not in control before but this was a sense of like there's nothing you could do like yeah you can eat right exercise but miscarriages happen like they're genetic sometimes you know the body you know um, will end terminate a pregnancy if like it senses that the baby is not developing like it should or yeah and, yeah. and so because um, your body's really smart and your body's really aware um, and so learning about that was really scary because it's like you know even if I plan everything and say okay let me take my prenatals this day mm -hmm. let me go to the doctor every four weeks like I'm supposed to let me not smoke let me not drink let me not do these things like that could still not help or hurt um, it, it all it ultimately is up to your body and so and then even when you get past the first trimester there's the 20-week scan mm -hmm. where you find out if there's any genetic deformities and that's not something that you can always control because that's something that you carry in your genes mm -hmm. and then it's not dependent on you it's also dependent on your partner so you can have no history of illness or or any sort of um, chronic disease but your partner might and so then that will impact it and then after the 20 week mark it's like okay well you know technically now you pass the miscarriage mark but now if the baby dies it would be considered a stillborn mm. and so it's just like all this pregnancy has been like great but learning that there's just so much that I can't control because it's not anything that I can take a test on. Mm -hmm. My grades can't control it. Money can't control it. Um, and so I think like for 2018, that's the biggest thing I learned is for the type A person that I am, and I think being in grad school, um, what has been my strongest trait um, is just how organized and how prepared and how um, super 
uh, deadline oriented I am. And I think for most people who know me, they would describe me as like, oh yeah, like Zama's always like on top of stuff. She always knows when things are due. She has, she's super productive. And that's because I have all these constant deadlines because I lived under this assumption that if I just stick to my plan, things, I will get things that I want. And with this pregnancy, like I couldn't. And I even had plans of, oh, this month I'll do 20 interviews. And I did like three. Mm -hmm. And it's because I had no idea how my pregnancy would impact my ability to even do things. Um, and so for 2018, that's what I learned. And it, I think it ultimately made me a better person. I don't think it made, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I don't want to say it didn't make me a better student um, because I think like technically I was the least productive I've been since I've been in, in grad school, starting with my master's. So for the past seven years, this has been the least productive past nine months of my career. Mm -hmm. But I've also been the happiest because I've let go of feeling it like really, it was like a life event that was like, wow, I really don't care that I missed this deadline. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt that before because there was always this sense of like shame or disappointment. Like I need to do this because I'm gonna look like I don't care about school mm -hmm. or I need to show this school that I, I do belong here or by being super productive, people will see that I'm not just, you know, that even though I'm not good at math because I didn't have really good school, I didn't go to a good school, that I can make up in these other ways by doing all this extra stuff. And being pregnant forced me to like stop. Like there would be days- Stop caring what other people think. Well, yeah, yeah. and then there would be days where I would like work through lunch, then work through dinner. Mm -hmm. And it's all because I wanted to get as much work done. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, it didn't matter. Or skip going out with people, mm -hmm. say no to trips, say like, sorry, I can't do this this summer. I have to go to this workshop. I have to go to this conference. Mm -hmm. I have to go to this meeting. But with the pregnancy, it was just kind of like there was something more important than school. Mm -hmm. And there hadn't ever been anything more important than school. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that helps me, one, kind of give in to give up the whole like, I need to be perfect. I need to be uh, on this timeline because I realized there is no timeline and to just kind of prioritize and be like I thought school was everything to me mm -hmm. and if I didn't have school I would be devastated mm -hmm. and now there's something that's way more important that I would rather have instead of school so mm -hmm. if I'm a better parent but I don't get an Ivy League job then I don't care and at this point it's like if I don't even get an academic job I just want to be happy Mm -hmm. And I'm, I found that I can be happy without school. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I had experienced before. So I think that that's really helping me. Like, So I think before I would have said, oh, for 2019, I'm going to write the best dissertation and get the mm -hmm. best job and get, the, you know, get an Ivy League type job. And now I'm just kind of like, that's not really what I want. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just want to be happy. And mm -hmm. so what will help me be happy? Mm -hmm. So I think like that's like summarizing kind of like the trajectory of what I learned in 2018. Yeah. Well, those are some really big <laughs> lessons, some really big life I lessons. I know, pregnancy changes you. Yeah. I don't know if I, I mean, 
I think that, you know, this is the first year where I, I guess I would say the first year grad school wise where I haven't felt like just nonstop stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, I, a lot of that um, stress and like worry and all of that seeped into other like relationships and the way that I kind of approached life in general. Um, and I think, you know, and, and that wasn't something that I actively sought out. Like I didn't seek out less stress. It kind of just happened by virtue of like where I am in the program yeah. now. Um, and so I, and it also, you know, I, there were some things that I realized and it was, and it also helped me to like, um, to feel more confident in the decision, the choices that I'm making like career wise, you know, so I, so before like kind of you know the last time that I felt like I had any control over like what I was doing on a day-to-day or like you know my where I what I was doing in the program was like the master's thesis right and it's like okay you get to dictate what you know what your project is what your approach is and all of that and then it was like okay these like miserable two years Mm -hmm. where I just had to like everything was already pre-structured for me. This is what you're gonna study. This is what your days are gonna look like. Um, and I was like, oh, I hate this. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here. This is terrible. Why am I doing this? Why did I do this again? Um, but then getting to the dissertation part, it was like, oh, okay, this is what I like. This is what I had been missing over the last two years, and feeling and and gave myself more, I guess, um, understanding of of what it is I also saw like some career counselor type people took some like personality assessments and stuff like that that you know aligned with it kind of just reaffirmed what I already thought about myself in the direction that I already kind of knew that I wanted to go but also dove into like the subconscious mind kind of and like mm-hmm. just what I'm naturally attracted to um and it yeah, it, I mean, it just kind of reaffirmed a lot of the things that I already felt. It made me feel like, you know, kind of like what you were saying, like feeling there was part of me that like I knew when I got here that like, oh, you don't want to be a professor. Right. But I didn't feel confident enough to assert that yeah. um, to like supervisors and all that stuff until this year. And then now feeling like, oh, OK, I, you know, I don't feel like I never felt like, oh, I won't be good enough if I don't do that or I will be disappointed with myself if I don't do that but it was like oh these people think that they're training me for something that I have no interest in and so there was some guilt around that but I think it's like you know one I've heard this saying a lot over the years and it's like you know there it's one of those sayings that like oh it doesn't it doesn't resonate with you until you need it to which was that like they aren't living my life you know Mm -hmm. they're not so if I decide oh I'm gonna go into a career that I know I don't want to be in just to satisfy these people they're not gonna be there with me yeah (laughs) yeah. I'm gonna have to be miserable you know making all you know I'm gonna have to live my day-to-day and my day-to-day life and living it in misery is just not something that I like no I'm not in school this long to do some shit that's gonna make me like hate life yeah no um and I think I one another thing that I that I also learned is that my um, I had always kind of attributed like different anxieties that I had to like what was going on at the time. Like, oh yeah, of course I 
have anxiety right now. Like, I'm stressed. Like, you know, I got this thing to worry about. Yeah. But now, now this year, having not been stressed and it kind of still being there, it's like, oh, okay, so you probably got to do something about this. Because um, <laughs> it's like, what are you, you, you're feeling anxious for what? Like, you're worried about what? You're constant, you're nonstop stressed about what? You know, and I, having, you know, a few conversations with my partner and stuff where he's kind of been like, yeah, you know, like, or, or I'll say, like, just kind of jokingly, yeah, I probably should, you know, go talk to somebody about this. And he's like, yeah, you should. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, okay. So I'm not the only one. Um, But, yeah, so I decided that – and I I was talking about this today with, like, another friend and was saying how, like, this past year, like, I have leaned into anxiety and kind of just been like, oh, yeah, that's just how I am. Just going to accept it. Um, But then having conversations with other people who are not like that, who don't live their life consumed by, like, worrying about shit that probably won't ever happen – um, I'm like, oh, I would pr- much prefer for my mind to be that way, you know? Yeah. Um, it has made me feel like I need to stop just accepting it and actually, like, maybe it's something that I could talk through with someone. Because, I I mean, I, I realized in the conversations that I've been having over the last few months that there are lots of things that even though I've been in therapy, like, you know, I've, I was in therapy as a college student and stuff like that and, like, off and on since I've been in grad school, I've never talked to... A therapist about anxiety yeah I never because t- it was just like oh this is just how my mind works or this is just what it's like to be a student yeah like I you know I've just put it off on so many other things but I I feel like I um like I was I was reflecting back to like being a kid like you know and there were things like I can recall back to things like being little and just being like just overly anxious and stressed out about death and it's like I was young like thinking about like oh what if I just like what if this just happens to me or what if you know and it's like girl what you have no reason to like it wasn't like I had any kind of significant you know unexpected deaths around me like at the time it was just like my grandparents you know and so it you know and so that you would think would make me lead me to believe that death only comes to people in old age because like it had not happened to me but I would latch myself onto other people's experiences and like just soak up all of their like stress you know like if I heard that somebody's sibling had passed away then next thing you know like I'm just constantly thinking about my like something happening to my siblings or like you know I I don't like having nightmares and waking up like about dreaming about people dying and all that stuff and it's I mean I didn't have a name for it then like you know now it's like oh everybody is throwing around these this word anxiety but Back then, it was just like, oh, my mind is just kind of weird, you know? Yeah, this is just how I work. Yeah, (laughs) now I'm like, no, we should probably talk to somebody about that. Um, So that, I guess, is a good segue because that is my, that's what I've kind of set as like, I'm not really big on New Year's resolutions, um, not like, oh, I'm going to start exercising more, or oh, I'm going to start eating right, or oh, I'm going to, you know, but I think that the way that I, you know, I'm constantly like, I need to do this like I've been saying I I try I went through trying to find a new therapist and that failed miserably Uh, so I'm gonna try again in 2019 Um, but I you know in looking at there's this like little article about resolutions and a lot of people don't I I've learned like seen in like recent years people are moving away from New Year's resolutions because it's like oh you never stick to it like you know by February 1st like you're you've moved on and you've already failed um but it says here that to be effective and to be um to be a pr- 
to be effective and to be a prompt to change behavior, goals need to have a tangible and measurable outcome. So they also need to include specific steps to help you get there, right? Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to stop leaning in to anxiety, to stop just, you know, telling myself like, oh, this is just how you are. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, And in order to do that, like one of the steps that I've identified is like finding a long-term kind of therapist and, you know, working through that and kind of, and being more transparent um, than I have been in the past. And I think my big issue was that I went into therapy thinking that I knew what I needed to talk through. And so I only talked about those things. Mm-hmm. And then we never got to like, oh, this other shit over here that you got in the closet that's been over there for the yeah. last 10 years that you never talked to anybody about. Um, and so, yeah, so that's my, you know, go to therapy, be more transparent in therapy. And I think that those will be, maybe that will help me to identify more, um, like, other things that I can do to work through that. Also, which may be like, you know, leaning on friends who I know have some like, you know, struggle with similar things and like, oh, what kind of tactics have you used to get there? Um, But yeah, I guess that's the only resolution I have as of now. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good one. And it's attainable. Yeah. Um, I think for me, for uh, I'm also like, I never really set resolution. I think like when I was younger, I'd be like, read a book every day or something like that. Um, but or like get a new hobby and be really good at it. Um, but I think for next year, I'm just I'm just my goal is to not be too hard on myself, and mm-hmm. I think it's because um, trying to balance um, being a mom and being in a PhD program. Um, I know it's going to be hard, but what's been helpful is I've already had two people. Um, one via email and one like in person of people just telling me that the mere fact that I am having a child in grad school to them shows them that it's doable Mm -hmm. like oh it can be done Mm -hmm. and it was just crazy to be like but I haven't even done anything like it's hard (laughs) but for them to be like the fact that you decided that this is something you could do while in school shows me that if I wanted to this could be a choice for me Mm -hmm. and so and I'm always huge on representation but I never thought of myself as representation of like a mom in addition to representing being a woman Mm -hmm. representing being a woman of color and now it's like oh now I'm representing being a woman of color who is a mother and so it's just kind of like this new role that I have what I've learned about Um, or the failures that I had in putting too much pressure on myself and being a woman of color in academia, I won't do being a mom. And so for 2019, my resolution or my goal is to not be too hard on myself and to just, for me, find a balance of school and family Mm -hmm. that I've never had before because before it was always just like 90% school, 5% eat sleep and bathe and then maybe five percent make time for myself Mm -hmm. and so i think now i want to make sure that i'm um, focusing on what's important and it may not be publishing a paper every year like Mm -hmm. maybe that's not as important to me Um, because i don't even know why i do that it's just something that was taught to me so just Mm -hmm. kind of like asking myself more like well what's more important to you and i think that being in grad school and being um, a woman of color 
is not something that I is intuitive to be like, oh, well, this is what I want. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like, well, what is expected of me? And then that's going to be what I meet. So I think for 2019, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's just like yeah. be less hard on myself and try to um, focus on a balance that is good for me and not a balance that not like not compare and be like, well, that professor is a mom, but she has all these grants and she's director of a thing and she like yeah just not compare myself and to find a balance for me yeah and I mean that's so it's like so hard because they we don't get explicitly told that like oh this is you know it it, nothing's explicit it's not like oh this is what you should do it's like you're just supposed to look at us as models but it's I feel like the there's a flaw in a system where you know and I and I you know I can't even think about us because I feel like relative to like the nation we're pretty young PhD students you know and so if I if I were like the average age in which people are having kids now is like 20 like 29 right but if the average age in which people are graduating or finishing PhDs is like 32 33 34 are you really expecting for people to wait until they're 33 34 to be able to have a, a kid yeah and then even then if you want to go into academia yeah. it's like no don't wait in, no don't you do don't get to have a year. Yeah, yeah like you don't get to have a baby your first year out of grad school like yeah. you need to wait until you get a job and yeah. then you need to wait until you get into a comfortable position comfortable enough position in that job where yeah. having a baby won't affect so it's like now we're talking about 35 36 and then it takes nine months and it's like what another what like, and so yeah you might be able, you might be looking at these faculty and be like oh yeah you know this person is a mother and they have all of these publications all of these grants but they're also like 46 yeah and they also had a high-risk pregnancy yeah because they waited they had they waited in, or they felt like they had to wait until mm-hmm. the very last minute yeah. you know and I I mean I think that that's pretty ridiculous for yeah. that to be the culture and that is very much ingrained in the culture yeah you know and it's like you I mean I think our department is sort of kind of moving toward the like oh right out of college like thing but i mean even but like they should even still like the expectation should not be because for certain people for certain groups like even having a baby in your late 20s that could even start to enter there could be certain complications that you um introduce even at that point yeah especially if you want to have more than one yeah and so it's like you know you like we might assume that oh a younger person may have less concerned but no that's not even necessarily true and then if you want to have a baby say you want to have a partner first like so now you gotta yeah. try to find a partner and then you gotta yeah oh my god yeah there's just so many things so many flaws so many flaws yeah um yeah so w- like some some tips for um sticking to so if you if you are a resolution person and you feel like oh or you want to be a resolution person but you feel like it's so hard to stick to them and like you know, if your goal is like, okay, this year I want to lose 50 pounds, you know, and then you aren't really working toward that goal, it might be hard to lose that 50 pounds yeah. by the end of the year. Yeah. But if you space it out, right, so rather than being like, I want to lose 50 pounds this year, it's like, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds a month, you know, and mm-hmm. then maybe break that down. Okay, so in order to lose 10 pounds a month, each, whoa, 10 pounds a month is like a lot. It is like a lot. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's backtrack. All right you want to lose five pounds a month or whatever (laughs) um then you 
maybe set goals per month or even per week you know so if you want to lose this weight what do you need to start doing january 1st yeah. you know like what are the little goals so break break it down you know be really specific um identify resources that you're going to need to get yeah, to that goal yeah so if you want to lose five pounds a month what might some resources be I mean, there's like lots of free, lots of app. What I've learned through pregnancy is apps yeah. can really help. So even like, uh, you know, I found a really specific app that was like workouts for each trimester in your pregnancy. Oh, that's cute. And so it's just kind of like if you can't, and, or Instagram. Like yeah. there, I know that there are trainers that mm. post videos mm -hmm. for free. Mm -hmm. If you're just kind of like, okay, I want to lose weight, but I don't have a gym membership. Yeah. There's always things you can look up online or on Instagram or on Pinterest or uh, on I apps that can help you be like, okay, what are free things I can do to lose weight? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, what's, what are low or um, low calorie recipes that I can use. And so, yeah, just make sure that you look at the available resources that you have. And if you're yeah. like, maybe a little more restricted, then don't set a goal of 50 pounds a year. Maybe set a goal of like, okay, I want to not eat fast food, mm. not eat from McDonald's and Burger King, yeah. Jack in the Box for the rest of the year. And yeah. then start Actually, that might be a better idea. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, the weight is not necessarily your focus. That's just like a, a perk, a benefit. Yeah. So if you say, I want to eat less fried food yeah. or I want to... Actually, setting those kinds of goals, like that's too broad sometimes for me personally. Like, I want to eat less fast food. Like, okay, so what does that look like, you know? Yeah. Um, so instead, being specific, like I will only eat fast food once a week or yeah. I will, you know, and then and then by, you know, just kind of a offshoot of that would be that you would lose weight because you're just, you know, making healthier choices. Um, and I think also what's important is like to, to identify the resources or identify the, the ways that you're going to meet this goal before January 1st. Yeah, so like, don't yeah. wait till January 1st to be like, okay, I got to try to find a gym now, or I got to try to find recipes or, because then next thing you know, it's January 2nd, January 3rd, the 10th of January, and you still haven't done that. And then you're like next year. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like you're, you've already missed, you know, starting your new year's resolution and it's already like June and you haven't begun. So instead, I think it's probably better to at least get your foot in the door before the year starts so that you have somewhere to, you have something to build on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's like, you know, if you also, it might be cool to like, you know, if you can, like say, um, set a mid-year goal. Like yeah. maybe if you want to, um, I don't know. You want to, like, okay, rather than, you know, December 31st, 2019 kind of being your marker, you can set a midway goal in June and, like, I want to lose 50 pounds for the year, but 25 by June. And then, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that that helps to kind of keep you on track um, and make sure that you're, like, you know, sticking to things. Um, and then is, is your goal achievable? So, yeah. like, I saw there's this meme that's been circulating that's, like, uh... Um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, I'm seeing a lot of new black millionaires in 2019, <laughs> right? So everybody's reposting this, but it's like, all right, if your job is paying you sixty thousand, right? You ain't got no side hustles as it stands. Um, 
but you want you plan to be one of those new black millionaires how yeah you know like so it's not to say that it can't be done but it's like you gotta have some you have to identify ways that this you know realistic ways that this will happen it's not just gonna yeah. fall in your lap um, yeah is I mean, it that you want to be rich or is it that you just want to yeah. have more money yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, you know, identify all the ways that you can get there. Um, you know, really like, and then I, I was actually talking about, um, I was actually talking with a friend about like becoming a like, well, I was telling myself that it would be cool to do like some in the field research on um, women here that are making like, so like waitressing here is mm-hmm. like a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many like black like bars and clubs and all of that stuff and so many opportunities and so it's like one a lot of the girls that are doing that are making like six figures so that's enticing enough right yeah but then it's like also I would like to know how these people are living like the like researcher in me is like oh my god I want to be able to talk to these people and interview these people and that would make such an interesting book and da 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 right but then at the same time they make six figures so it's like yeah it would be interesting to get this research but then also like the money um, <laughs> how can it help me yeah yeah exactly so I'm like they you know this is two birds one stone or you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna um buy into what uh An what is it called species. yeah ant- <laughs> what is it like you no know, anti-speciesism or being speciesist or something so okay wait to feed two birds with one scone um according to we should have talked about that for the in the know like so if y'all don't know um, apparently the what is what is PETA this? yeah PETA so <laughs> PETA now wants us to stop using um, speciesist yes yeah language which is like anti-animal yeah so apparently saying you know kill two birds with one stone is um, anti-animal and speciesist yeah. yeah. so like basically you know think racist or sexist and yeah. now speciesist for animals so. They have recommended that instant, instead of saying, I mean, they swapped out a lot of like yeah. species language yeah. with like animal friendly language. And so one of them was like, instead of saying two birds, one, kill two birds with one stone, say feed two birds with one scone. Okay, so <laughs> I digress. Now we're going back, backpedaling. If I want to feed two birds with one scone, I could make six figures and also do this research. And that would be my way of making more money in 2019 yeah because right now i am a broke graduate <laughs> um yes yeah, so we're breaking it down list out the steps okay and then once you have your goal in mind right how do you stick to it yeah. how do you keep yourself now there one way that i've identified that works for me is like the vision board right and so i don't mm-hmm. usually i don't usually do one vision board you know, I'll do one at the beginning of the year usually and then one in the middle of the year and they usually look a lot different right because it's like now I have had different experiences that add, I've added new goals or I've re-envisioned my goal. Maybe I thought I wanted to, um, I don't know, do something, but now I've changed my mind after you know these last six months. And so vision boards are a way of helping me to keep my goal because it's like you, know, you prop it up somewhere so that you look at it often um, and you're constantly checking in with yourself, but then you also usually make the vision board with someone else. Yeah. Like not on the same board, but like you sit down together and you make it. And then that could be your quote unquote accountability partner. Um, oh. yeah. So then that helps. It's like, Oh, have you, you said you were going to do this? Have you started looking into this? You know, or, um, yeah, but in like a constructive supportive kind of way, not in like a, you know, you lying. A you shady. Ain't doing shit. Yeah, yeah. You ain't doing shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we were looking through a couple of suggestions. Um, um, I was looking at like um, Psychology Today mm -hmm. and Life Hack, um, just about some tips to keep these resolutions and goals. And so some of we wanted to share some of them with you that we thought would be helpful for us, but also for you to keep these goals that we've been talking. So now we talked about like being reflective, asking yourself what, what it is that you want to change. Once you set up that and decide what it is that you want to change, how do you keep it? So one is to focus on the outcome. And so, you know, just this is a year long goal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's really easy to lose motivation or to kind of get burnt out or to kind of ask yourself, like, did I really want to lose weight? Um, but I think if you focus on the outcome, which is I want to feel better about myself or I want to be healthier or I have high blood pressure and I want to reduce it to not go on medication. Like if whatever it is that keeps you motivated for this outcome, like choose that before mm -hmm. so that you can always draw on that. And then maybe that could be something that you write on a post-it or something and yeah. you post in your refrigerator or on your mirror to remind you every once in a while, like this is the outcome that you want. Mm -hmm. And so all this work is to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually when you were talking, I just thought about something that's like, you know, but what I see is equally as hard. So to me, well, maybe not right now because I kind of have like a, I have like a, um, schedule, I guess, or structure or whatever. But last year and you know, I was hella stressed. So when I stress, I don't know if it's that I eat more, maybe I eat more junk food. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sleeping as well. Right. Like all of these. So yeah, I wasn't working out as hard. Um, but during the maybe 2006, between 2006, between 2015, 2018, I gained like 15 pounds, 15, 20 pounds. No, it was like 20 pounds. Now I've lost 10 of them. Hmm. But one thing that I was finding that was really hard was like not just losing weight, but staying at the same weight. Yeah. Like even maintaining weight takes can take work. Yeah. Um, and so that could also be a goal. Like it might be hard for you to lose weight, you know, and, and, and that could be discouraging, but it's like, don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Set a new goal, yeah. set a more like, you know, manageable goal, staying at the same weight or not gaining any mm -hmm. more weight. Yeah. Like maybe that could be, you know, so it's like, there are tons of ways of approaching a goal or ways of looking at it. And like, you don't allow someone else, someone else's, um, perspective to influence the way that you see yourself like you know so there are a lot of people that you know it, it might be hard to like evaluate yourself without being hard on yourself or judging yourself but we all are you know t we all have different paths we all have different lives we all have different circumstances and so just because this other person Susie or Kathy or Brianna or who or Tommy I don't know are doing these things over here that doesn't mean that those need to be your goals like yeah. you can have your own and it's okay if they don't look like theirs or if someone else doesn't think that you're accomplishing as much as you're accomplishing because it, it, ta it takes work to get to get there no matter how yeah. big or how small the goal it takes work yeah 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 so that was like the so oh I jumped the gun because the last um, bullet was don't beat yourself up so yeah do not beat yourself up um, the years are long but they're flying by low key. yeah like yeah. this last year felt like it flew by yeah so it, it seemed like it was hardly enough time to meet goals yeah and remember change is a process and so 
ultimately it's not about like yeah hitting the exact 50 mm-hmm. pounds mm-hmm. what it is is about you wanted to improve something that you didn't yeah. like about yourself and mm-hmm. so if you're eating better and you only lost you know 10 15 20 pounds yeah. that's still like you're accomplishing what you wanted which was to change some behavior for yeah. the better and yeah. so you know it's a process don't beat yourself up if it's not going as fast or the way that you want it to and then don't let small stumbles keep you down so if your goal was to save money or to lose weight or to um find a new job yeah and like you aren't getting hired yeah. or you had a major expense that you had to use your savings on mm-hmm. or you you know uh lost weight and then gained it mm-hmm. like all that doesn't mean that you should quit and then that's what that's the yeah. end of your goal or resolution because this is not just about checking something yeah. off a list it's about you know it should be about just trying to be choose something that you didn't like about the year before mm-hmm. and try to yeah. do it differently yeah and i would say last lastly um celebrate the small victories yeah you know so don't necessarily wait like if you are looking for a new job you don't necessarily have to wait until you get the job to celebrate like no if you in a day applied to like five jobs or if you identified five jobs that you want to apply for or if you revamped your resume or you know if you got called in for an interview Mm -hmm. like celebrate that shit like even if you don't get it like it's still yeah yeah. or even if you if you get called in for an interview and you make it through the first round make it through the second round but you don't make it through the third round still celebrate it don't beat yourself up because it's like that you know we would you do that to a friend would you beat up would you beat down on your friend no so don't beat down on yourself because you deserve the same the same level of praise as you would give to a friend yeah you know um and uh, I said that was going to be the last thing, but I just thought of one other thing. So <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, really a fan of the accountability um, partnering thing. Mm-hmm. And I have actually, you know, one thing that I was thinking and that I think is hard for some people is like having an accountability partner who is a friend sometimes can be hard because sometimes you don't want um, your friends to, you know, judge you or to make you feel like, oh, you aren't working hard enough or you aren't trying hard enough to accomplish this goal or you know to give you some constructive criticism maybe you don't want that constructive criticism maybe it might be easier to hear the, hear those things from a stranger so if you say you're trying to get back, trying to get in the gym or something like that maybe join like a fitness group or something like that i know that there's apps and stuff for like fitness partnerships or like you can have a um i forgot what the person is called but basically you have a person that checks in with you like every week or every day or something like that like a coach and you know they help you to meet your goals like there's there are apps out there for that yeah Um, and so yeah that might be that might be helpful yeah or like join a group yeah sometimes they'll have like blogs or Mm -hmm. groups that are just kind of like there to um because support social support is really important yeah um or even just like telling uh, one person in your family who yeah. might be annoying as you know mm-hmm. might be annoying but they'll hold you accountable by saying so how is the thing yeah. going and I mean choose someone that's not going to be like like yeah. I, I would not choose my mom yeah don't let don't pick somebody that's gonna yeah beat you but up. like I would choose my sister and be like okay so 
you know, I, I want to save money. Mm -hmm. This is my goal, but it's going to be really hard. So can you just help me, you know, um, every once in a while, just ask me how it's doing. And like, be specific. Yeah. Like what I would need is for someone just to check in to make sure that I'm staying on track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think having some, someone or something hold you accountable will yeah. help. Will help you reach your goal and not lose your motivation mm -hmm. and also help in the process of breaking things down so that yeah. you can say like, by this time I should have this much saved. Can you check? And if they ask you how you're doing, you yourself yeah. will be like, Ooh, I've only saved half of what I said I would. Yeah. Maybe I need to do something. Yeah, definitely don't sleep on those apps. Because if y'all don't know about Acorn, like I'm just thinking about like in terms of saving money, right? So I was one of those people that would be like, oh my God, this is so terrible. But I did this all throughout college, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to put aside $40 um, per paycheck when I was in college. And it's going to go in the savings. And so I would get down to like, say my checking would be like depleted, say like a couple days before I get paid. And I'm like, dang, I really want to go eat out with these people over here. So next thing you know, I'm taking money out of my savings, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, OK, so me saving money on my own was not working. And um, and then I discovered Acorn and it just like takes the money out on like takes the money out on whatever schedule that you decide you know and so it's like now that's money that is being taken out you don't have to do it you don't see the money you're not even watching how much is being put in there how much is accumulated it's like hands off you know so don't sleep on the apps if there's something out there that you're trying to accomplish i would just say give it a google and see if yeah, there there's is, apps for yeah everything. see if there's a coach out there or there, there's all types of like you know, people that will, what did you eat today? Don't lie. Like, did you eat, yeah. did you have some hot Cheetos? And I'm saying hot Cheetos because I'm about to go get some. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, what, like, what, you know, someone that will help to keep you accountable. Yeah. And if you don't have that person, Instagram, like seriously, yeah. you, oh, you Instagram know, will help. Instagram, <laughs> it can be, be like, you can lose hours and hours watching all sorts of videos. Yeah. But it can also be a sense of like, there are people there who, there are groups, there are pages just for motivation. Mm -hmm. And you can just click on that page, get the motivation you need, look yeah. at the comments and like, that can help you and yeah. that's free yeah so. don't just use it to you know kill time yeah it can be useful yes okay peeps well that wraps up our episode 33 and our final episode of the year yes. um and so we will be back sometime in january yes. not exactly sure when that will be um but you know turn on your notifications so that you can get an alert um, whenever we do come back, yeah. um, catch up on episodes that you haven't listened to, tell a friend, a yeah. family member, uh, tell everybody um, yeah. to listen to our la this past season. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, um, by the a week or leading up to when we're going to return, we'll drop a little clip on our Instagram page yeah. so you guys can be aware, but definitely be on the lookout. Um, we're just taking a short break. Um, and we, you know, but if you, you always, we'll always keep posting on our page. So just because we're not doing the podcast doesn't mean we're not going to be posting up videos and comments yeah. and making sure that we keep up with what's going on. And so as always, if you want to reach out to us, have ideas about the next season, 
topics you'd want to talk to us you'd want us to talk about if you know someone we should interview if you want to be interviewed mm. we can do this via phone it doesn't have to be in person email us at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com also follow us at wokeish podcast on instagram we love hearing from you guys and thank you for all the followers and all the new followers we get um and so uh happy holiday whatever holiday it is that you are or aren't celebrating um yeah and if you've been listening if you've been with us since episode one thank you so much for your support this past year like it i mean it yeah when i think about all the episodes we've recorded that's when i realized that the year actually did go you know it it actually yeah it like it was a long year it just felt like it flew by yeah um so yeah thanks so much for your continued support and we'll catch you in 2019 yes peace out